0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
2: It's the Friday show, Phil and Kev here, uh, Rich Ferraro, Billy Grant and Pete Selby uh, Pete, for reasons that will become clear on the blower uh, But I want to start with Liverpool for once, often I don't uh, But Phil is the biggest game of our lives, how are you feeling?
3: Uh, like Weird, because I always have it in my head that when we have 10 days off We take a game or two to get going again And that's sort of in the back of my mind and is nagging at me like it might not be it's not something that we've really had for for three or four years so it might be a completely different thing and they they identify some specific but I remember sort of feels like 2017 2018 maybe 2019 as well there was a they'd go to Dubai or something they'd come back they'd get knocked out the cup in the third round they'd have the fourth round weekend where they'd be somewhere and they'd be like oh yeah we're all refreshed and then the first game of football looks like they'd never played football before, so they've all been on holiday, haven't they? So I'm hoping that we don't get that. Well, they've not gone to yes, camp. No, one of the they, key no, no, absolutely, no, no, absolutely. They've not it's gone. been a holiday. They've, it's for literally them. been a holiday. It's not been a training camp. It's, it's actual holiday. Um And yeah, mostly you will see how it goes. But it's big because it's it's not that it's necessarily big. It's the two games after it that are the big ones. Like, and you've got to you want to build up something to go into that. Because if you go into into Chelsea well, and Arsenal. I mean sorry, I meant I, league ones. Said, uh, I meant league ones, but I've if you got... go into Chelsea if you go into Chelsea Does and it cost to be one of your fillers, Absolutely. <laughs> are, yeah. But if you go into Chelsea and Arsenal off the back of not beating Bournemouth, it ramps the pressure up on those two games,
2: I think. So it'd be good to go here and, and win. So that's that is why it's big. It's for me. It's it's equal in difficulty with City's trip to Newcastle, and people wouldn't like that last season. City played Champions League football. Sorry, Newcastle played Champions League football. St James's Park, fifty five thousand atmosphere, so on and so forth. First and foremost, Bournemouth's a tight ground, and we've seen in the past it can make a bit of noise. But it's a tight ground. It's not a big. It's not a big ground. But that doesn't necessarily equal anything. At times, I think players get psyched up to play in bigger arenas, and it's easier for them to get themselves going. But also, just in general, the form Bournemouth have been in. Yes, they lose to Tottenham. Like, time out but for instance after then they go 2-0 down against QPR by half time they come back they win that one 3-2 before then it's a series of wins Kev this is a team that's in the midst of playing really good football and that's why you know when you play teams matters
4: yeah 100% it definitely doesn't the fact that they've had the week off as well and is such a good manager would suggest he's probably going to come up with some sort of plan to deal with Liverpool wouldn't he on the ground Got, there's another thing that someone points out before I've seen we're going to be playing in a hurricane down there again seems like every time we go there there's some sort of natural it's disaster th- th-
2: at
3: least
4: 30 miles an hour wins that's Sorry. about
3: 30 miles an hour slower than last time fairness, <laughs> to be so. fair yeah, but
4: yeah. it's still still uncomfortable and because it is such a small ground it whips around yeah. it doesn't it so you've got to take that into account we've had some tough times down there really, haven't we but uh, I don't know we just feel I just feel like we're like we, just, there's something there's something really brewing yep. I mean, it might not even be brewing anymore it might just be fully brewed and just ready to explode into the second half of the season and I suppose Sunday will give us a real insight into what Klopp's thinking and what the players are thinking because as Phil says there, he's mentioned the two league games but we've got Fulham away in the cup first and although Fulham away we're already winning you'd think yeah that we've got a half a chance well, not more than half a chance fucking <laughs> maybe that the sound, it was the the a bit there. <laughs> you'd fancy to go three wouldn't you but what I mean is because it's not done there's still work to be done with that, so it becomes a block, instead of being maybe a block of two games where you're just looking at Chelsea and Arsenal, it becomes a four, because if you get beat by Bournemouth, well, Chelsea and Arsenal don't mean as much anyway, do they? Because you sort of shit the bed a little bit, because if you give Man City a sniff of blood at this stage, you think that they'd probably run with it, whereas if we just keep going and keep going and keep going, I know they beat Newcastle last week, but they didn't necessarily look as convincing as you'd think against a team who have looked knackered for about six weeks, so... They've definitely got some issues in them, and I think if we can just keep that scoreboard pressure on them, and I think we will, by the way, we should be alright.
2: Scoreboard pressure is a lot of this, Phil, uh, both the idea of putting it on, but also the fact that we are under it a tiny little bit. Let's be clear as well, it's reasonable to expect that Arsenal be Palace. We will talk about it in a minute, but it's perfectly reasonable to think that when we kick off uh, kick off Arsenal on 43-2, uh, and we've got to go the Emirates in a, in a short period of time, as you've already referenced. For me, it's all about, all about them. Ensuring that they're just keeping everyone honest, staying on top of themselves, and as Kev says, I I I wonder about that idea of taking themselves deadly seriously too. I think if they come out of this one on the other side and they've put not a performance in, they've got any win, but they've got that sort of win which which suggests that they're, they're looking at each other and they're looking in the mirror saying we're in this and we're in this till the bitter end. I think that's what we're looking for.
3: Yeah, there's a, there's probably an ego thing at play as well in terms of Salah's obviously not here; he's away in Africa, and they're all looking at it going. But well, I don't want to. I don't want people to think that we're a one-man team. I don't want people to think that we can't do anything without him. I don't want people thinking that I'm not up to this. You know, th- there's players there who got a real opportunity to play a major part in this and show that they're the ones that yep. are going to be at the forefront of the rest of the season because it's. It feels like that Liverpool's front three, for example, could be. Anything, any game, the rest of the season, and it's up to the players to make the manager's decision for them. So they've got a real opportunity to do that and do do different things and go at it and
2: show that show their worth. When you play teams, matters. I said that a minute ago to Kev Phil. Bournemouth have got some issues. Yeah, they have. Yeah. So I think four weeks ago this would have been a really hard game. I very much wish that when we played them at home, we played them away. Yeah. Because I think we win that, Uh, and then from there we'd have them at home this weekend, and I think we'd be. You know, very optimistic that we would get something uh, if that was the case. But that said, they haven't got a centre-half. They're they're missing one through suspension and a couple more through injuries. Lloyd Kelly's out, Sinesi's out, Kirk has the left-back's out. Well, Kirk has the the might force back into service. So they'd be rushing them back. I think it's interesting. So they're in the situation where they're down a centre-half. They played Mepham in the FA Cup against QPR. They were 2-0 down at half-time and the manager took them off. Mm. Uh, which is suggestive of something. He played Lewis Cook, centre half, second half, and the fella who he left on at centre back can't play because he's suspended. Yeah. So, uh, and then the next one is that mm. they've got no left back. They might rush Kirke's back. They, they've been they'll doing a bit of. They play didn't...
3: Adam Smith and Max Arons at right back. I
2: think maybe. Well, or the, the other way around. They'll press someone into yeah. service, and for me, that's that's a real opportunity yeah. uh, down that flank uh, I, I I hope the manager starts Diaz on the right hand yeah, side because I think I think you want to challenge that full back at every opportunity but they'll be thinking the same thing about our right back yeah absolutely I mean you're you
3: going to somewhere going away from home when the Premier League is hard I think it's probably a little bit not recognised quite how hard it is because it's got it's, it's sort of a it's a new thing that's probably crept up on people that you're able to you know, there's a reason that the league is going to get one with 90 points as opposed to 100 this year, and it's basically because it's far harder to go away from home because the teams have got better. Like you, you looked at sort of mid a lot of the team that come 10th or 11th when we were winning the league. I can't remember who it was, but I'll guarantee you they're not as good in your own mind now as the team we will come 10th or 11th this season. So that's
2: why it's harder. Now we've got a 10th the year we won the league, Burnley, Burnley, exactly. 10th the the 10th right now. Newcastle. Exactly. That's the
3: Champions League team in 10th. And they nearly got a point off Manchester City last week and led for a yep. long portion of the game. That's That tells you how difficult this is. So to go away from home, whilst the team has got a problem like that, you're putting the things more in your favour. Now we've just got to take advantage of this and we've obviously got our own issues. We've got, probably we're down to pretty much picking the midfield by default almost, I think. I think that's it's not unfair, is it? I think we're picking three from four. Are we possibly think so because we haven't seen? Uh, yeah, sub- Shabash, light there's to rumours of Shabash light but I don't think you're throwing him straight in, are you? And with the games coming up, but we're picking that we've got a right back who's played. What has he ever started the Premier League game? No, nope.
4: might be the greatest right back alive. Don't might might well 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 mind. Well, <laughs> we've got to bear that in mind. We've got to <laughs> <laughs> consider that. Together. We have
3: got to consider that, but it's still not ideal. So you've got to. Take almost take advantage of when you're dealt a good hand from the opposition, and that is in some ways what we have been because they've got you know they've got a couple of a couple of injuries, they've got a couple of lads at Afcon as well, um, Watara and Semenyo. Sameno yep. scored at Semenyo Anfield as well. was so good at yeah, Anfield. Yeah, he scored the goal at Anfield. He's not there. He's playing for for Ghana. He played for Ghana. Yeah. So, you know, he could do us a nice turn tonight. You know, you'll listen to this and you'll know exactly what's happened. But um, they've just got
2: to take the opportunity. Here. The in the middle of this this idea of of AFCON but also of knowing the ropes for me you know for me this the, the way in which I'm, I find that the, the, the Trent being missing thing the biggest blow is that right now I just want him to be able to pick as many as possible the lads who know what this is and how you've got to do it Kev so that's that's you know listen you know Trent's been brilliant recently but I, I'm I'm as much about the personality here as I am anything else for this one because I think this is a bit of a test of personality on top of it is everything else where where do you think you are that said you know, while they haven't all won the league, Konate and Jota know what it is to be in one of these. They've got that experience. They've done it before. Jones and Elliott have been adjacent to it, if not absolutely slap-bang in the midst of it. But there's still Becker. There's still Van Dyke. And this is where I think that someone like Jota becomes absolutely massive. He stepped up last time when, when Seller went to AFCON. Uh, I'm not even saying he even necessarily has to start this one. But to me, since he's been back around that squad from the minute he got on the pitch against Burnley, he's just looked all business.
4: Yeah, I think even... Obviously, it's better to have Trent on the pitch, but he's turned into such a leader since he's got the vice captaincy role that there's just no way that he hasn't been prepping everyone. Listen, this is this is not Nothing's after yeah. Because you look at their position in the league, and you can be, you can sort of be roped up a little bit. They had a really tough start because I think they were just really struggling to adjust to the new manager. Once they got going, and once they got the fans' defeat, they've done really well from the positions that they've been in. So. The likes of Trenton that obviously gives would much rather have him on the pitch you wouldn't. But Owen Beck coming in, I think I don't think anyone's necessarily that worried about him. Plus Diaz as well, playing on that right hand side, as you said before. I just think I think he might have half an eye on thinking that's my long term role. Like, you know, because it doesn't have suit me much better than being on the left. I can dive to the byline and cut it back, or I can also, if I feel like it, go right at the goal. Whereas on the other side, he's desperate to get back across all the time, And he?
2: I think it's a massive part of that. And the other one to point out who also knows what this is and he's in fine, fine, fine form is Joe Gomez, Phil. Mm. Uh, Gomez will start this one left back and he looks in, in such good nick in general. But again, he knows the ropes. He was there in 2018-19. He was there in nineteen twenty. was 20 He was knocking around 21-22. He knows how this works at this stage of the season. He knows what it is you've got to do.
3: Yeah, but he's captained the team as well a few times this season, hasn't he? In, in the open yep. European game. So he is... He's obviously not in that leadership group, but he's seen as somebody who is, you know, he's the he's the longest-serving player, so he almost has to be by default. I know he came in when he was seventeen, so it's not quite as, as valid a thing in some in some respects as you know if you've been here what eight years and you're were 30, 32 yeah. or something. It's obviously a different thing, but he is still somebody that you can look to and go, you've been here, you've done this, you're able to tell a story. You know, he was he was basically playing centre back the year Liverpool won the league he was it was him and van Dijk and that was the pair and it, they kept a ridiculous number of clean sheets and I'm pretty sure the the game we lost at Watford was he didn't play, Doesn't I think play he was no. he's injured and that was quite annoying because that was where the the dream of going undefeated the entire season sort of fell to pieces and that was that was quite annoying
2: but uh, the thing about going undefeated the entire season we can't do it now no. uh, the only reason why I ever got that excited about it was I found out they give you a separate trophy yeah uh, which yeah, the gold one. yeah, which I'm I'm banging to, to be honest with you. If we can sort that out for next year, that'd be great. I quite like the separate trophy. We would also have done the broken the longest unbeaten record as well. I think, wouldn't we? Yeah, probably Which would have been I'd have taken that as It'd well It'd be nice But, yeah. you know, let's not, let's not. <laughs> no, no. We us not our nose over the league
4: Oh no, you, no, absolutely, no, absolutely no, no. No, no. After
2: a fair few If you're going to do it right, Let's just, do it properly though no, yeah. Just go all in Do everything I just, just, I was, As I say When I found out They gave you another trophy <laughs> though Imagine if we hadn't won a league For 30 years And they had, <laughs> that, we were so good They had to give us two <laughs> That
4: would be lovely
2: Yeah, yeah uh, I'd, be, I'd, I'd have been absolutely delighted uh, About <laughs> that um, Okay the last thing about this one, Kev, that was how far they've come into about ten months. We were talking about the manager last week on Friday night, and I'm very much, you know, raving about him. They have come a million miles. It's it's tremendous. Um, you know, it was ten months ago they go there, they get beat one 0 They have a little bit of hard lines on the day, but that's the point. Back then they could have hard lines and they feel sorry for themselves. It looked like what I've loved this season is it's never felt like there's one minute where they felt sorry for themselves, not one split second if they felt sorry for themselves.
4: Yeah, it's like that old adage of a good team is never beaten. It just runs out of time and at that we feel like we're back to that level now don't we whereas a few times last year we we weren't just beaten we were defeated we we were battered off the pitch in a couple of games Ramey, and I think Klopp even come out and said I can't remember what's performance we got beat 3-0 away somewhere Brighton. Brighton and he said it's the worst performance of my coaching career I think he said which is a big shout isn't it and you just don't see them throwing something like that in this season, and I'll be honest. <clears throat> at the start of the season, we were doing like preview shows and the likes, and you you kept saying we've got the best at the back and we've got the best up front. So I think we're in a title challenge, and I kept saying to you, thinking a little bit deluded. I just don't, I don't see it. I it. I, I, did, I, I well, just didn't see it being the case. you because, I, I, No, I wasn't. And I think that shows you. I I just thought we were lacking a little bit, and I think it just shows you that the manager, he, he gets so much greater than the sum of the parts. when when he's when he's speaking to these players he's just he's getting them to do things that they probably didn't even think that they could do and it's all down to the manager like obviously everything comes from him so he's got all the best coaching staff he's got all the best nutritionists he's got all the best recovery people because he's not scared to say I don't know I don't know that bit so you do that for me and I'll do this bit which I'm absolutely the best in the world and long may it continue because he's been brilliant this year yeah I
3: completely completely agree with all of that that you know, there's that that Bournemouth away game last year was was quite bad because it came off the back of the uh, the seven 0 with Manchester United. Yeah. And you got yeah. into a position where, like, I can tell you what, we'll get top four here, we'll we'll sort this out, and it's fine. Then you go there, and it's like, oh, we start we start reasonably the 7-0 well. The seven nil we still start well. oh yeah we started we started <laughs> reasonably well. Sort of didn't. Not take our chances. Then capitalise on the. But oh, we sort of got top. hit against the run of play, and yep. it sort of summed up the mental fragility of everything. Yeah. That we just didn't. We just didn't react. It reminds me a bit of um, an England cricket team in Australia when they're sort of two nil down in Ashes, and they've got to go into the third Ashes Test, and they're like, "Oh, we, we thought we might come here and win the Ashes, and we're now terrible, and we just, we just look broken."
2: And that's what it. That's what it looked like. We are not like that now. On to Arsenal versus Palace, then. <sighs> Palace, Phil, they're just having another mini meltdown. I'm, <laughs> I'm not just blaming the manager because I don't think the manager's been backed and I think it was sensible not to back the manager in one sense because, you know, he's only going to ever do one yeah. more year. But the flip side of it is, you know, the the, the old line uh, that I've, I've adopted, which is that a football club's like a shark, it's got to move forward or it dies. And it does begin to feel like what Crystal Palace have got on the hands there all of a sudden is a dead shark.
3: Yeah, it feels like there's a little bit of sleepwalking
2: towards things I
3: saw a tweet last night after they they get knocked out of the cup and it's like well the season's practically over now you're like hang on they're 5 points above 18th I think is it 5? yep yeah 5 like 5 points and all right that's 5 points is quite a lot when you're looking at the level of the teams and how many points they've got like you know 5 points as a percentage of what Luton have got in 20 games is, is quite high but it's still it could be gone in two weeks. That gap, that gap could just go in two weeks, and that's the position there now. And I hadn't realised until the other day just quite how miserable the last sort of few months have been for them. They win one 0 at Old Trafford on the thirtieth of September, right? They've won two games since then. In all comps, in all comps, one of them was away at Burnley, which almost doesn't count. If you go into which <laughs> goes to Burnley and winning almost didn't count this until very recently very recently yeah. the other one was Brentford the other week and Brentford are about the only other team in his badder form as then they're in pretty awful nick as well I think they've won they've, they've won. lost the last five they, yeah they've lost the last five and then I think it's six of the last yes. seven six of the last seven it is so it's not exactly like that's a, a great feather in your cap is it either and like this is sort of the they, they feel like they're just sort of sleepwalking towards something and in a way that I think, and the reason it is sleepwalking in the way it wouldn't usually be is because of the bottom three this year. And the bottom three this year has caused all kinds of things with people just not looking at teams and accepting sort of how much they are underperforming above uh, relative to what you'd expect. Like, I think we all thought Nottingham Forest might be a little bit better than this. not, Not amazing, but when you consider that they've played, I think they've played Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United at home and only got five points from those. I don't think they got five. I don't think they got three. I think they drew yeah. all three of them actually, yeah. didn't they? Um, they have made a change
4: of manager though, the not they? have
3: got sort They've got Don't they be a bit better? Whereas you know Brentford have not been
2: great. Um, Fulham, it's Crystal Palace. Fulham, Fulham, Fulham have been be a really weird, se- had uh, a weird season. I think, I, think, I think one of the things, it can go either way, I think Kev the idea of where the bottom three are, which is you can have a bit of a relaxation about it. And I think that's helped Fulham. So Fulham have ended up, they've now, you know, they've gone forward in the FA Cup, they're in the semi-final of the League Cup, whatever happens to them second leg against Liverpool happens, but their fans are made up that they've even got that far in the cup competition. Obviously nothing would be as good for them this season that can plausibly happen than winning a trophy because of the entirety of the history that they've had. So that's there for them. And I think they've been able to relax because they're going, we'll be alright, we'll work this out, and I think it's come for them, but as Phil says, there's a difference between relaxing and sleepwalking, and a little bit with Palace at the minute, I just think, but also, the idea that no one's got anything to look forward to, they are out the cup now, <laughs> in the most pathetic way imaginable, playing 180 minutes against Everton and not scoring a goal. There's one goal. other
3: element to this though, in that, how many of these players are off, like Michael Alise, if you're Michael Elise and you know for example,
2: well, you're, you're going not, somewhere,
3: you're going somewhere in the summer probably, like, What's your incentive? Yeah. What's your incentive to run that extra yard to go into that tackle as hard as you can? It's there's there's a there's a very thin line between pride and realism in this in this respect, and that is a problem that they're going to have to work out.
2: Sorry. Yeah, I just, as I said, but also I just think that everyone attached to the club. they've had a couple of fallen out with the supporters over the course of the season. That's happened it's as well. It's the
4: owners Dan, You know, the, 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 yeah. they has got American investors who are trying to get out to the club now. Haven't they? So that that's become an issue for them. So I think they're almost at the point we you said before about. Keeping Hodgson wasn't necessarily a mistake, but not backing him. You can understand why they haven't done it, but you're effectively wasting a season. And they've been lucky because the bottom three are so poor. But we keep saying this about Luton, and they keep just being yeah. just like able to get a couple of points on the board. And If you are sleepwalking into that situation, as you just said, two weekends in a row where it goes against you, and you're right into the mire, aren't you? I think as a club, <clears throat> they've got the potential to be so good. And I think they've tried as well. They, they've had the right idea, and I think they've just hit the bar a couple of times. They got the ball in, didn't he? They? And they've obviously thought, OK, the Dutch style, total football, bring the youth through. That didn't quite work out. He was garbage. Vieira, same. But you can see what they're trying to do. But then they panicked, and obviously they needed to save themselves from relegation, which is totally understandable. But because they're so paralysed by the fact that The investors and the owners or however it's working at the club don't like each other and apparently don't even talk to each other. They've ended up with Hodgson for another season when what they need is a manager who's willing to look at that academy because they've got their catchment area. It's an unbelievable catchment area. Absolutely one. Like look at the players they've brought through. The unbelievable players, like, and total footballers as well. They don't want somebody like Roy Hodgson. Imagine coming through and thinking, what, like imagine being another Elise or another Eze coming through now and looking and just thinking for as long as he's there I'll never get my chance whereas if you've got somebody who had a little bit more bravery and a little bit more courage and just said dive yourself right in there because you could they, they honestly I think if they get their next appointment right depending on what's happening at the top of the club they've got some real potential to it, sort of brighten levels of progression I think they really have
3: Like they could point someone like like Robert Budget who I think doing doing he's done a fantastic job there he did a good job at um Forrest Green, he was at Forest Green, and yep. then he went to Watford, and Watford obviously <coughs> gave him about half, minutes, half yeah. an hour, half an hour and two coffee meetings, <laughs> and then said, off your pop, mate. they've got an opportunity." That I think, I think we'll look back on. I think we look back on the the thing now, and probably don't accept how mad it was because they went on them. They had a run of about eight fixtures where I think they played like the
5: well, best eight, twice. Honestly. <laughs>
3: they, they played all of the good teams or all the on paper good teams, and they do particularly well. Sacked him, brought Hodgson in, played all the bad teams, Rare. beat them and then went, oh, Roy Hodgson's good, isn't he? When reality is, they just played some bad teams with some pretty good players and beat them. And that, that, It was just like that, so it made it, Hodgson look great. It made Vieira look bad when the truth was it's probably somewhere in between at best. And But that decision wasn't thought through properly in any sort of context, and if you're making decisions without putting them in context, it's probably not going to help you, and that's why they sort of find themselves in this position where He's there, and it's a bit
2: like, well, what are we actually doing? And you don't really know. Just dead quick because they're playing Arsenal at Arsenal, Kev. If Arsenal don't win this, then I think that I, I think there's 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 real questions to answer for the first time. I think they come under massive pressure if they don't win this one.
4: Um, yes, but um, I don't know. I just think Arsenal fans want to be in a title race, but I don't think they necessarily expect to be. And I think they love Arteta, but I think they're a bit blinded to him. I think if he's got a lot of uh, similarities to Rodgers for me better better version but a lot of similarities got to win Arsenal got to yeah, win they have. I, I think
3: I, I think it would be good for them psychologically to score four because I think the problem for me is that you look at those the West Ham game and the Fulham game before New Year the problem to me looked like they couldn't just score a goal from nowhere while playing badly. We've done that this season. you know. We, I'm not going to sit here and say Liverpool have been fantastic in every single game this season because they absolutely haven't, but they've managed to win games while playing badly because they've got a player who can just get a goal out of nothing or do something a bit good, whereas it feels like they've got to really work to score the goals, which is a problem for them. So if they can make themselves think that they don't, that's probably what they need to do, I think. so. Yeah, Just that quick, do you know uh, where they are against their
2: expected goals, open play. Arsenal.
3: I'm gonna say, I, You're uh, probably going to tell me it's three above
2: or something. No? Surely below. Surely miles below. Expected goals th- from open play: thirty-one point four. Oh, it's about twenty-four. No- then number of goals: thirty-one. Was it thirty-one? So yeah. just, just it And that's for me. That's the the when you the, the art conversation for me is why on earth aren't we creating more? Mm. Uh, and that We're remains. on about forty-three, aren't we? Or, or is that just is that all with penalties? That's just Nunez, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we're on uh, we're on we're on thirty-nine. Yeah, uh, we're on thirty-nine. That's A, a marked a marked difference, and that none of this includes penalties. It's like half a goal a game. Uh, well, yeah, um, you know that's that, that that's where we are. Uh, that's the difference at the minute, and that's that's what Arsenal found difficult. Anyway, uh, here's Billy Grant on Brentford, and then after that, you've got Rich Ferraro on Nottingham Forest, and Brentford and Nottingham Forest play each other.
5: Uh, I should have done some sort of graphic or head Head thing but we don't really do that sort of thing do we it's john gibbons from the ampere Wrap with a read courtesy of nordvpn and nordvpn are partnering with us again and we appreciate it and i also appreciate uh, their service i've been using it uh, for a while now uh, they sent me a login and uh, they were very kind and so i got stuck in and there is lots and lots of benefits from you also having a nordvpn service um the main one for me i'll be honest is that it allows you to access entertainment from different parts of the world so the obvious one is sports come on football we'll all we'll all say it there are football games that sometimes are not being shown in your country but are shown in the others and with a nordvpn um, you can log in and able to watch them uh, which is fantastic but what i'd also say as well is there's some fantastic uh, tv at the moment in this country and where i where i to go traveling i don't think i'm going away till march i don't think but where i want to where i you know, going away sometime Uh, before then in, in, in the future. It's good to keep on touch with everything, isn't it? I can't imagine missing, for example, an episode of Traitors (laughs) at the moment. I'm I'm absolutely hooked, like I was. So the idea of being able to to go away and use the the NordVPN uh, to watch that, use the VPN service to watch that would be fantastic, and this allows you to do so. It is the fastest uh, VPN on the planet. Uh, It enables threat protection uh, to block trackers, annoying ads, and malware uh, lurking online. Obviously, that's very important for people as well. It's a really reliable encryption and 24-7 support. And they are that confident that you will enjoy it. Uh, they offer a the 30-day money-back guarantee, so you can try it risk-free. So have a little go. If it's not for you, you are find that you're not using it or you're not really sure that it is benefiting you. Uh, they're giving you your money back within 30 days. They are that confident. Also, if you sign up through us, uh, you get an exclusive deal, uh, which is a big saving and four months extra Free. Um, So if you want to get NordVPN, it is nordvpn.com forward slash TAW. That is nordvpn.com forward slash TAW. Absolutely loads of benefits. I've only scratched the surface there. Uh, But do get stuck in. And like I say, if you're not sure, there's that 30 day money guarantee that that convinced it will change your life. Thanks to NordVPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal.
2: by Billy Graham from Besotted uh, off the back of a Bramford side who are about to have a big return we will get on to him uh, gone out of the third round of the FA Cup on a replay after extra time against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, before then, a league run that is, doesn't reflect very, very well indeed. Uh, pretty disappointing 3-1 defeat at Crystal Palace. Got beat 4-1 at home by West Brom. Got beat 2-1 at home by Aston Villa. Got beat on the road at Sheffield United, where I think they walked into one a little bit, if we're all honest. Uh, got beat away at Brighton in what was a tight game, but did win at the start of December against Luton. It's the last Brentford win. Uh, there was a run like- did
6: you say? Did you say West Brom? I don't think we played West Brom.
2: I didn't mean to say West Brom. If I said, West um, Brom, I said the wrong thing, Luton Town.
6: Yeah, you did. did you? We, we were due to play West Brom, and I was actually kind of getting, I was, oh. I, I, was, I, was, I was putting my hands. I was thinking, I'm going to go to the Vine if you've ever been to the Vine. Oh, yes. oh Christ good. Almighty. I was, I was already plotted it up. I've got my finger on the button, the train button. It's like, oh, no, we've just let it in a penalty. <laughs> oh, dear. No, what a no. fluff. <laughs> it would have been
2: fantastic, but it didn't come to pass. Instead, uh, there was instead the last win was Luton. Now, there was a run like this about two seasons ago when you first came up, and everyone at Brentford kept the nerve, and everyone thought they wouldn't because people didn't understand Brentford back then. I think right now everyone thinks everyone at Brentford's going to keep the nerve, and everyone feels as though, yep, these boys, they've actually just been having a bit of hard lines, and they've missed a few injured players.
6: Ah, listen, you know, you're 100 percent right. And, and again, it's not an arrogance. And nice to see you again, by the way, Neil. It's all right. It's, a, wow. it's like a post post-Christmas jumper there, almost like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm wearing my Ivan Tony robe as you show it, like the king, because the king is back. We'll talk about him later. But I thought i better get the robe on, like you know what I'm saying, so I can feel kingly like him. But just coming back to what you were talking about, yeah. Um they did keep their love uh th- 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 three years ago. And I remember again, I think I chatted to you and I came on this podcast week in a week out. First season in the Premier League, I said, I'm not worried. I, and I said it I straight up. And it wasn't because I was arrogant, but you kind of just knew what you had. You knew what you're up to. And also, it's kind of like there's a long game. The long game, it finishes in May. It doesn't finish like in two weeks' time. finishes in May. And yes, okay, we've lost five out of six or whatever, or six out of seven. I don't even know what it is, you know. But that's that's irrelevant. What's more important is what you're doing on the pitch. Now, there's, there's two things that are kind of – well, there's a few things happening. Obviously, I've come on in. I've told loads about injuries. Everyone gets injuries. So don't moan about them. You deal with it. Certain clubs deal with it by having big budgets, bringing your players in Chelsea, bring off, you know, have an 80 million and a hundred, 70 million, 80 million pound player on the bench that they can bring on. Right. We don't have that. Okay. We're bringing on our kind of player that we left on a free transfer. He let we let him go. When his, track, when, when, his, when his contract was over, you know, um, um, Saman Godos, and then a few weeks later, he said, oh no, we've run out of players. Could you come back and play for us, please? You know, say <laughs> that is that is the stage where we're at. You know, we were going the other day. I was sitting there with Lady, who does the podcast with me, Proud of West London, and check it out. I'm just putting up the poorest podcast in a minute. You should let's check that out. It's actually a good listen. And uh, we were going we're going to we're going to bring on next because we actually run out of players we've got no idea so this has all been a big factor as to where we are at the moment now but what i'd say is that the good thing is that we're creating chances creating decent opportunity chances you know we talk about xg people hate xg a lot of people do but we do it because it's it's a little club like, like us it's important and if you know that you're creating them chances that's a good thing the fact that you're not putting them away as much as you should be, that's a bad thing. But the fact is that you can always, if you create the chances, you can technically always score. So if that for me, I wasn't worried. So, yeah, when we lost to Wolves, right, and, you know, I like, actually was like two and theirs was like 0.5, I'm like, oh, it's typical. They had three shots and they scored all their three shots and we didn't score, we scored one. Like, you know, just things like that. So for me, I don't get that fussed about that. What has been worrying, though, has been our defensive Form. It's like basically we've lost pretty much all our defence Rico Henry, you know, Hickey's out Ayers out, you know um, Collins has been out, you know, Ben Mee was injured Like literally all our defence out We're sort of bringing in our seventh place Like defender to come in And, uh, you know, this attacking midfield to play fullback And it's been quite rubbish It has to be said So we yeah. score a goal and then we let in a really rubbish goal. It's like, oh no, we go again. Wolves. yeah, we went ahead with them twice the other night, and then still they came back in the you know three times. You know, um, we went ahead in the previous game, and then they came back in the. You know, what I'm saying so. It's kind of one of them things where it's frustrating. So for me, it's about sorting out that defense, and we're going to talk about Ivan in a minute. But it's the fact that we have got Regulon coming in. The Regulon is the person that I feel is going to be really important in us getting ourselves out of that zone because we're not regulated, but I'm hoping that regulon will be able to regulate the bees at the back because we're looking a bit shaky.
2: Yeah. Well what you'll offer is you'll offer stability of that left wing back position. I think the one you mentioned though, and I think I I wanted I was gonna ask you, is it is the problem that Ben Me is missing or is the problem that Ben Me
6: might have gone one year too far or is the com- is the problem a combination of the two? I know the, the problem was Ben Me and well, he, he he was injured, and then he come back, and then he got sent off, and he was out for three games. And <laughs> like oh no, here we go again, you know. So he came back against um, uh, Wolves in the cup because we weren't going to have a cup replay because we didn't even think we're going to have a cup replay. But other than that, his first game back was meant to be on Saturday. The Ivan Tony spectacular. So you're going to Ben Me back, Ivan Tony regular on. It's not going to be one big party for the Brentford lot. <laughs> <laughs> then there you are. Uh, he's back in.
2: Collins will play. Pinnacle play. Uh, you've mentioned there again about Regulon, uh, whether or not
6: he will he be available for this weekend's game. I listen, mate, um, if I'm going to go down to his house, literally put him in the back of my car and I'll drive him down to Brentford. I'll take him to whatever office he needs to, to sign whatever papers he needs to, because we absolutely need him in that team on Saturday. And uh, the way that they're talking, I have a feeling, you know, it's it's Thursday today. Um, or is it Friday today? I've got no idea. Uh, but whatever day it is, um, whatever day it is, we'll sort it out, I'm sure. Okay, so Regulon comes in and starts, and then it is the idea of just
2: being able to be more focused up front. Do you think he'll do it game one? Do you think he'll start, Tony?
6: Ivan Tony? Oh, yeah. mate, if you, I've, I've been sitting down there, and we've been, again, we've been watching the interviews, we've been listening to him because, you know, we've got those things where, as, as a fan, you and Ivan Tony, you know, for us, listen, he's made a mistake and he's out and you're a little, you can be a little, you know, we're allowed to be disappointed with him because you know, we were doing really well last season and he comes in this season again and does the business, but all of a sudden, we've lost 8 months out of his contract he may leave us so we've you know we've lost 8 months out of him we've lost a load of goals out of him we've probably lost some games that well we probably not maybe we have lost games that we wouldn't have done if he has played so yes we're we're allowed to be disappointed in him so i've watched the, the interviews that he's done looking to see if there's any kind of you know if he's if, if he's sorry if he's kind of been reflective and i'll be honest with you he has. It's almost like, you know, whether or not he's at the PR training and I'm not being suspicious Or whether or not he actually really does believe it. I do feel that he thinks, actually, tell you something, I screwed up here. I missed out on an England place. I missed out on going to the World Cup. I missed out on going on all these goals. My family doesn't go down with me and I want to come back. And I just want to absolutely deliver and show the world that I am as good as I am. He's told us that he's got a, he's got a target that he says he hasn't told us what it is. On our podcast, we actually said, "Laney said that he thought the target from the end of the season is 12." I said that I thought the target is probably 10. 10 is a lot because we'd be we played 19 games. That means yeah, 10 yeah,
2: loads. Yeah,
6: that's that's like half. That's like equating to what he did last season. But i would be really interested to see where he goes. I think the key is going to be whether or not he hits the ground running or if it takes him two or three or four weeks to actually kind of get himself going. But he's been playing games behind closed doors. One of our mates, his son lives in the flats behind the ground and he's been watching the games over the top like this and maybe behind closed doors. And he's been watching Ivan Tony popping in the goals left, right and centre. So I'd like to think he's going to come back hitting the ground running. The other one I want to talk to you about is the idea of who's going to play next to him. And a
2: player who was signed a few seasons back, um, well, two seasons back, who has found it just a little bit tricky so far, but has suddenly really found himself in a lot of goal scoring form and positions. And we know that Tony isn't just a number nine, he likes to bring people into play as well. Is Keen Lewis Potter. Do you feel as though it'll be Lewis Potter who plays next to him?
6: Well, that, again, another really interesting point. Obviously, we've got players that are out at the Fcon, so Wisa is out at the Fcon, so he's not going to be there. Keen Lewis Potter has been the player who has. St- Really stepped up his game. Um, we were talking about, and I'm not deviating here, but we were talking about Brennan Johnson, because obviously we're Nottingham Forest. We tried to sign Brennan Johnson from when he was at Lincoln, right? The early days where we can get him cheap. Now, we didn't we stopped when it got to about 30 million and Spurs came in and they spent a lot of money on him. Now, what they did is that Spurs have come in. We believe that's what happened. People go, Brentford are in for them. And all of a sudden, these big clubs come in. They go, boom, give them the money. And they go, thank you much. See you later. So Brennan Johnson's gone off to Spurs. The problem is he's gone there and he needs to deliver straight away. Because when you've got a 60 million whatever it's tagged on, you've got to deliver straight away. Now, the reason why I mentioned Brennan Johnson is that I think that if he'd come to us... He would have just kind of like, we would have bought him in, we'd have developed him up, there'd be a lot less pressure. He may not have played every game, and we'd have taken him to that next level. It's exactly the same thing we've done with Keen Lewis Potter. He's come in, it was quite a big tag for us, which is about £16 million. We didn't put him straight in the team, we put him in B team, we put him out, we kind of just got, and it's been about a year, and us as fans are going, we've got this player, we played a lot of money for him. Why aren't we playing him? It's because when he came in, he's still not ready because these players aren't match ready. And it's taken a year or so to get him to a stage where we think he's all right. And all of a sudden we've gone, cool, blimey. He's actually quite good. He's skillful on the ball. He's getting the ball down and he's he's delivering the balls in, but there's no one there to put it in the back of the net. So we're hoping that Ivan Tony is going to be the the key person, the missing part of that jigsaw where we're creating the chances, but, you know, and he's putting them in the back of the net. Excellent stuff. It's a big one this weekend. You could do with could do with the win. The points will be massive. Are you going to get them against Forest? Oh, tell you something. There's a bit of an air of confidence going around the club. I know I'll tell you the only reason why. It's not because we think, yes, we're going to win because we are Brentford. It's because it's been like Groundhog Day and every match has been like the same. We're waking up every week. Going, oh, no, here we go. Oh, no, we've lost again. And it's been the same and we need a change. So all of a sudden this game, big change. Tony's in. Regulon's in. Me's back. Oh, oh, oh! It's all oh, so, so for us, it's it's made us actually excited, and you can hear me. I'm animated, and probably the most animated that I've been for quite a while. Sitting here in my Ivan Tony robe, like you know, saying <laughs> feeling like the king. So. I really do believe on Saturday, and also a Forest don't like us for some ridiculous reason. I mean, they've got themselves into, you You realise, they've got themselves into FFP just because they wouldn't sell us Brennan Johnson. Yeah, we've been in for him for about four different windows and we went in for him really early. right? And they decided to hold off selling him to us so they could sell him to Spurs three months, two months later so that they could take a possible 10-point deduction. I mean, what, what kind of logic? Is that all about? So they're, they're not happy with us at all. So there's a little bit of needle and a little bit of beef between us and Forrest, even though Steve Hooper's gone, because I've already told you before, we don't like Steve Hooper, but he's gone now. So, yeah, so we've, we needed something else to take that over. So the FFP thing and then blaming us for their FFP, I think it's going to be the one. So expect to see lots of fisticuffs and, and tackles flying in and all sorts of stuff. So, hey, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> it's
2: half five, it's Saturday. It is, it's Saturday night uh, and it will be going on. I've got Rich Ferraro now talking about that, talking about Brennan Johnson. Here we go. <laughs> Rich Ferraro from 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast to, uh, on Sports Social by the way, to talk about Nottingham Forest before a big game at the weekend. And a game that has added context all of a sudden, Rich. it's It seems as though... The worst part of this process, I think, has been A, lengths of time, and B, uncertainty that it sort of imbues, and that's still there for Everton uh, because of the, there's an appeals process. There may well be an appeals process once Nottingham Forest have gone through it as well, uh, and Everton the second time depends on how that goes and where that hearing actually ends up. Um, it's the uncertainty, really, that I think does people's heads in as much as the reality, because I don't think Nottingham Forest fans were thinking buying all these players will be without consequence at some point. I don't think anyone was that naive.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think um, Forest fans, it's quite funny. We had the 30 signings. Who gives a monkeys' um, chant at the end of last season? But let's be honest. I think we kind of knew that making that many signings uh, was was a step too far, um, especially when you consider that some of those players haven't actually pulled on a shirt for the cl- for the club. Um, I think the other factor there is, although we were spending the TV money, um, there is. You know, the Forest situation is a bit unprecedented. Um, It's not comparable to Everton's last charges, for example, because of the fact that we have come up from the championship. So two of the three accounting years have a lower threshold. And then there's the weird situation, which is why the club are going to plead mitigation. They've accepted the charge, but are pleading mitigation, because if we'd accepted the fee that was on offer for Brennan Johnson at the time, before the deadline, then that would have brought in 30 million. Apparently, the player didn't want to go to Brentford. And so Forrest held out, they got 47 and a half million for Johnson. But that obviously took them past that deadline and Johnson got to go to a club that he wanted to go to. So there's a lot of moving parts in all of this, aren't there?
2: Yeah, there are. I think that this is again not least because it's not e- it's not even as simple as money in and money out. Let's be clear about Johnson because he was a Nottingham Forest graduate. He was in the way in which this 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 threshold is calculated. He was every penny is booked as pure profit in the year in which he sold. So the fee I think in the end is about forty five million. So unless the argument is that Forest, for instance, contravened the calculation by greater than forty five million, which again, because of the amortisation aspect, when you're buying players, means that. We're talking there about having overspent on transfers in the vicinity of 200 million, <laughs> you know, which whilst there was a lot of money changing hands at Forrest, this this is, you know, it, it's not as simple as 45 million versus, versus 45 million. It's not as simple as X amount over. Again, I think for people to be able to sort of have a conversation about it and understand it, the... The complexities of it obviously just make that a little bit difficult and so again it's another reason why i can understand why people are frustrated it, it all feels a bit more complicated than it needs to be and it all simultaneously you know the time frames of it now with the idea of any appeal possibly being uh finished after the end of the season i think that that makes it difficult as well
0: yes yeah, so obviously uh what we ideally want is to make sure that we are uh, we are more than 10 points in the clear of whatever situation we happen to be come the end of the season so that any potential deduction doesn't affect our fate. Um, obviously, Everton did a really good job of making up the 10 points they've already been uh, they've already had removed. Um, and this is a slightly different thing because you almost have to earn the points in advance, I think. I mean, what I'd also add in there is that I would say that the club have generally made a real effort to try and stick within the rules. And so something has gone wrong somewhere. And the the thing that we know is that Forest haven't always been very stable. So we've had the same ownership, but within that, we've also had pl- people coming and going. So we had a chief executive who came and went in the promotion season. And when we moved to the Premier League, and we also had... Uh, directors of football and chief scouts and all those kinds of things so you know you need to have a strategy and in fairness that's that's what your boys up at Anfield have done quite well is having a strategy led by a stable head coach.
2: Okay Uh, we'll move forward to the new stable head coach because the the key sort of aspect here from a Forest point of view is that actually things have been going all right. Um, it's, you know, it's obviously a nice little cup win uh, last night in there. Uh, prior to then, a good win against Manchester United. What I would describe as an excellent win against Newcastle United. Uh, it's a big game, I think, on Saturday night. It, I think it would be anyway, but it, I think it's in, in a way it's a big game for Brentford. It's obviously a very big game for Brentford too, who find themselves now only three points ahead of Luton, albeit with a game in hand, and it is this game. But they're also on a bad run. They've been on a bad run in the past, Brentford, and, and managed to right it. But it seems to me as though, from Forrest's point of view, there is so much to build on in the Newcastle United and Manchester United results. That Saturday, I, I feel as though any win would at that point feel like taking off tight shoes.
0: Yeah, I think... We need the win because Brentford are just behind us in the table. Uh, the elephant in the room is Ivan Tony is coming back and he's fired up. And whether that means it it could lead to a number of possible outcomes. He could score goals. He could get sent off or he could do a combination of the two. Um, and-, and, he
2: might not be, and he won't be much fit, though. I mean, Richard, worth saying he won't be much fit. How much Ivan Tony we're actually going to get, I think, is is a bit of an X factor in this.
0: Yeah, so we're not going to get hundred percent Ivan Tony, but he's a goal scorer. All the other bits that he's added to his game in terms of bringing other people into play, those are things he's added in. Naturally, he's a goal scorer, so we've got to be careful of that. And bearing in mind the goals we conceded against Blackpool, um, and the goals we conceded against uh against the goal we conceded against Man United shows that we've still got a long way to go. Um, we're also depleted by some of our stronger defenders because of AFCON so Nierkarte and Bolly are away and and yeah I mean Murillo is obviously a hugely talented player but as with many young players he looks happier when he
2: Can you just say on Murillo again Rich we had an an issue there for some reason it just completely dipped out Uh, so uh, you said what I heard on Murillo was uh, as with any other young players just start there and just say it again
0: Okay. Uh, Murillo is obviously a hugely talented young player, but as with many young centre-halves, he looks happier when he's got an experienced head next to him. So uh, AFCON's affected us in that way.
2: Within that, though, the other side is Chris Wood looks like a man reborn. Um, it's it's a phenomenal hat-trick at, at Newcastle United, it really is. He seems like, like the first thing that feels like Nuno's dawn has gone right. This fella can do this. Let's talk about what he can do and not think about what he isn't. He is not E we in all these ways, but he can do this. And then these players behind him, they can do this. And if that works, that's a way we can attack. And I think you see it against Manchester United, you especially see it against Newcastle. It, sometimes it just takes a new manager to come in and, and, and clarify minds a little bit. And that's what I think you, it, it looked to me like when I was watching Forrest attacking those two matches. And since then, there's been more goals scored by Nottingham Forrest as well. It just looked as though everyone knew what it was all meant to be a little bit more.
0: Well, it's the new coach factor. So when Steve Cooper took over from Chris Houghton, we were commenting about how all of a sudden we were playing 10 yards further up the pitch. And after Chris Wood scored his hat-trick at Newcastle, he said, it's much easier when you're 20 yards away from the opposition goal rather than 60. So that little bit of confidence you get in terms of freedom to attack when a new coach comes in, I think has helped him enormously.
2: Uh, And then the next sort of phase of this is he's brought a couple back who were finding it difficult to get around the first team, Monty being a really good example. I think Yates being another example. How have those players looked so far?
0: Well, I've said it before. You've heard me say it before. I've said it to you. Ryan Yates is potentially the beating heart of Nottingham Forest. He is. He knows he's not the most talented, but he will work his absolute socks off. He also has got a little bit of things like winning free kicks and strategic positions, you know, back chat to the referee and keeping the opposition on their toes. He does that in a way that no one else can do it um montiel is simultaneously a brilliant and awful player he can <laughs> he can he can do wonderful things and terrible things all in one match and he's also a walking red card waiting to happen um but you know when he does great things you kind of you kind of see how we managed to win a world cup
2: uh last thing then is, and i am intrigued I want, I want to know what you would do but also tell me what you think the manager would do um who would you pick in goal
0: yeah, <laughs> well, apparently the club are looking for a new keeper. Um, I mean, ultimately, and the, the the received wisdom is actually, you know what, this all goes down to a ricket when we got promoted because Samba wanted his terms of his contracts doubled. He wasn't getting that. And then we have spent so much more money on wages on Henderson and Navas. And then we've spent £8 million each on Turner and uh, Odysseus And neither of them have looked up to speed. I'm not even sure Odysseus has made a save um, since he's come into Forest. So it's, yeah, I I wouldn't be at all surprised if we make a move in the transfer market.
2: Uh, But you've got to pick someone on Saturday. You're not going to do it before Saturday.
0: Yeah, we're not going to do it before Saturday. It's much of a muchness. I mean, Odysseus got the shirt for the for the cup, so yeah, let, yeah, let's keep him in. But <laughs> you know, it's it's hardly a ringing endorsement, is it?
2: It's hardly a ringing endorsement. Last thing that is, you mentioned the cup game. Obviously, Chris Wood gets the winner in injury time. There is this uh, not in extra time. For me, that's the biggest moving part. I'm going to ask you for a prediction on Saturday, but it is worth saying that whilst I think both Brentford and Wolves have sorry Brentford Wolves also went to extra time, but this is where one day's more recovery can help aside a little bit if you're having to do 120. So, what is your prediction for Saturday? I, I, I have a feeling it could be it could be a bit more of a slog of a game if it, I, I, than it would have been if it hadn't have been for the FA Cup replays.
0: Oh, absolutely, um, and we had to take off three of our back four which was already changed during the match um, due to injuries and presumably like, you know, because of how cold it was as well. People feel the strain a bit more. Um, So it'll depend upon player availability. But Brentford always seems to be a scrappy draw. So I'm going to go for 2-2.
2: Uh, 2-2, at least 2-2, get to some goals, say what you want, Uh, it is Saturday tea time, we'll all deal on that, Uh, thank you very much indeed to Rich, Uh, let's get back over. Great to have Rich, great to have Billy uh, on the show as ever, a real pleasure, just want to talk a little bit about the the relegation situation, speaking to Rich there, about the uncertainty. more than anything else now Sheffield United play West Ham uh, on 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 Sunday at 2pm Sheffield United are very much rooted to the bottom of the table Phil and you know if you're not sure about seeing a, a path for Burnley you can't argue you can see a path for Sheffield United at this point, although maybe you might. Um, I don't, but I think they might win on Sunday. I think they might win on Sunday yeah. as well, yeah. I I I, think I, I don't think it's ni- going to be a nice place to go, Bramall Lane, for the rest of the season. I think it's going to be... Uh, gonna Particularly be... when half your team's missing as well, which yeah. is the case with West Ham. They've got a lot missing. And also that... That's the good players missing as well. Yeah, the, 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 lost a lot of the good ones. Um, and also I think that they might almost have in their heads we're all all right with having a quiet couple of weeks West Ham. Uh, they might want to... Uh,
3: You've got to look at West Ham now and think that what they are, the sixth at the minute, aren't they? They're just going to go full full gas at the Europa League and, and hope for the best in that, oh. aren't they, really? Because, you know, they're probably one of the six or seven best teams in that when they've got everyone fit. Well, so, I six of, the six or seventh
2: best teams win cup competitions all the time. Yeah, may well, may well happen for them. But anyway, Everton Forest, Brentford, you mentioned Palace. Now, without the points deductions, uh, Everton and Forrest, I don't think, will be necessarily too concerned, as Kev said. The change of manager, from Forrest's point of view, two really good wins in the league since the change of manager got through in the FA Cup, Phil. But they are now staring down a bit of a battle. both of those two. Uh, I actually don't think necessarily uh, that Everton will find themselves with another deduction, but we'll see. Um, what's been what's been <laughs> what's been driving me mad is Richard Masters over there yeah <laughs> what's been driving me mad is the desire just to find excuses for really badly run football clubs yep. Forrest was a madhouse and to be fair to Rich there you know he's acknowledged that Forrest was a madhouse everyone knows it was um, the Brennan Johnson thing is a bit weird and it might act as mitigation for them because the, the point the argument they'll make is that they corrected in the end but overall it's still you've still acted in a really really weird way why it's odd that we're talking about Palace and Brentford at the same time is both, I think, have been rational, whether correct or not. I think Brentford remain a really rational football club. I'm just I'm just surprised the extent, the amount of sympathy there's been for, for, for really badly run football clubs, other than the fact that it's it can be deemed to be harsh on supporters, but then supporters love to see their clubs spend money. Yeah,
3: the the Forest one makes me laugh particularly because since the day they got promoted, they've been doing all this mad stuff. Well, construed as mad stuff. I don't think it's quite as mad as. Everyone has yeah. said from the start, um, but everyone said, "What are they doing? This is mad!" And then it happens, and it's like, "Well, this is a disgrace." And it's like, "Hang on, you're contradicting you're contradicting yourself." There, I, I think Forrest was a bit of a problem in terms of, when they got promoted. They basically had eight players. Like,
4: yeah, they had half squad was on they? loan.
3: The goalkeeper decided he wanted to leave. He was one of the few players he called the captain. He decided he wanted to leave, so they basically then had to buy. 15 players now. If you need 15 players, the reality is you're going to have to buy more than 15 players. If Forrest had just bought 15 players last summer, they would be in the championship now, yeah, because 100%. seven of those players wouldn't have been good enough because that's just how, how it works. And you'd be lucky to
4: get a 50 exactly,
3: 50 strength exa- to that level, exactly. So they would be in the championship. So this is a, it's almost like a, they're being penalized for what they, they had to do, which I suppose is an argument. is
4: slightly unfair but, but at the also same you time the rules,
3: poor, the rules are
4: the rules the rules are the rules but also you could say it's poor management because they've allowed that system yeah that, absolutely that, like, so, I mean, to some of that, them come out, were
3: all bad like there was some signings like you look at Emmanuel Dennis for example and that was just a bit like Serge Aurier I don't think that was a great one he was the captain at all oh, stage last year garbage such a bad player but, for
4: Forrest he's probably Lads, all right te- he wouldn't get a game but, for the Zoggins crap. <laughs> they
3: did buy like they did end up with like 25 fullbacks and they just didn't need all those fullbacks like you don't need Serge Aurier Nico Williams I'm pretty sure there was a third right back as well Monty like, like, El- yeah season. exactly like it, it, it's just a bit it's mad but it's sort of necessary and they're sort of justified by punishment and I don't like I don't necessarily think anyone's done anything particularly wrong bar sign some players that they shouldn't have like they they had to buy some of these players they had to buy a lot of players otherwise they just wouldn't be in the Premier League now and the whole argument wouldn't exist because they'd be in the Championship and they'd have probably sold some of these players and they'd have probably been doing alright in the Championship and they'd have taken the money they'd come back up and they'd they'd sort it that way so what like I don't I just don't really I think it's a difficult one for us Everton on the other hand is is not
4: Everton sorry just on Forrest although I can see your point and I think we're going it the same way where we're just going to say Forest are alright because they're not heaven, so fuck heaven <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about what the rules are for it's to prevent Forest doing what they've done and although it's worked for Forest. It not working and yep, then they've absolutely. got loads yeah. of these players just absolutely dragging them down mm. the divisions because they're on Premier League contracts and they're in the Championship and then, God forbid, they go to League One and that's when they get yeah. screwed. So that's what the rules yeah, are there absolutely. to prevent, that's, isn't
3: well, it? It's, it's partly in place because they didn't want to Portsmouth.
4: Yeah, exactly. And
3: the, this, is the, this is the thing with Everton in particular and the, the lack of appreciation of things. If this rule doesn't exist, they'd be, in, they'd be not far off administration. Like they're not far now because they're being kept, they're basically being kept above board by the people who are trying to buy them, loaning <laughs> the them money. The sharkiest
4: like, of sharks, don't, like,
3: like I, I almost don't think the gravity of the situation is being accurately reflected in the press as it is now. No, it's like, isn't. I, like I, it's all, it's far too focused on. Oh, isn't this bad that they've been deducted points? And isn't this just, you know, they they said this to the Premier League and the Premier League told them this and they've done this with the interest. They only missed it by this much, and it's it's all papering over. The real, the real issue. I, th- I can't which is believe like, that yeah. Everton are in serious trouble here. Like, real, and real if trouble. If these and rules didn't exist, th- th- the trouble they'd be in would be far worse. Exactly, because what you have is a situation where. Uzmanov was effectively I'm gonna to have to be very careful here with what I say.
2: I mean, I, I I mean be, it'd be a laugh if he sued. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'd like yeah, to think the courts would yeah. look favourable. I don't think you think, You'd yeah, think but, so. But but you never you know. What
2: I mean you never know. Right. I'd, I'd
3: struggle would he even get the law? I don't even think he'd get the law. So fuck it we can say what we wanted. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, all like really really like, like, You're not me
1: on the Phil, I also want to remember who you're sitting next to and what precedent you're sitting
2: there, mate. Let's just Yeah.
1: Let's just all all
3: settle. The what was basically happening was Usmanov was putting money into the club without owning it, in a sort of Roman Abramovich style. Whereas Roman Abramovich was owning the club. So what happens with the whole Russia thing is that the club was effectively repossessed by the government because it was owned by someone who got sanctioned, and they sort of accepted the fact that there was debt and they managed it and so on and so forth. Right? Everton wouldn't have got, wouldn't have been taken off anyone because Farhad Mashiri wasn't sanctioned. Yeah. So the club would effectively have just still existed. But the person who was putting the money up is not there anymore. Yeah. Like it, it's it's like Chelsea if they hadn't have had government protection. Like if it's... Chelsea
2: hadn't have had government protection, Chelsea would not exist now. It the whole thing the whole thing is just is, is is just utterly ridiculous and has, has been allowed to be utterly ridiculous because the rules have helped and that's what I th- I find dif- I've found difficult with the, with the discourse around it is this stuff has helped mm-hmm. and it is helping protect football uh on the way through as well it's helping other clubs there's the knock-on effect of what would happen if spending was absolutely untrammeled like in there as people well people are like
3: oh well, you know we'll let them put in what they want and it's like someone said to me the other day well you just let them put what they want to put the money up front and you're like hang on no one is coming into a football club and paying the wages of every single footballer just say, up front. It's the wage bill. all maybe, the transfer fees it? up front. No one was doing this. So I was at some match
4: going Evertonians last like, week, and they, they these lads who go religiously, proper, like, real Everton fans, and I was having to explain this to them, you know, they don't, they're just, they, they haven't dug deep into what the problems are. They're just taking headlines, and there's, there's some like the Eskenar who digs deeper and he's, he's good on it, isn't he? But th- I think the vast majority of them are just wrapped up in their own outrage. And the problem is they're shouting to the mates f- and the mates going, yeah, so it's just a massive echo chamber. Fa- My
3: favourite one is the no sporting advantage. No, fucking hell. Oh hang on, we, so we can get away with cheating and uh, you know, going around the rules because we were crap out yeah, it. I'm, also, not sure, I'm not sure that's how it works. Like someone test po- like someone in the hundred meter final of the Olympics finishes eighth, test positive for drugs and he goes. Didn't win, so, you know, <laughs> no drugs
4: it.
2: ban for me. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> no, but not, even though no sporting advantage points, I, I I find, again, with that one, you're just going to end up, I'd argue, driving yourselves into another, you know, you go mad again with it because, like, for instance, right now, there's a sporting advantage for having Dwight McNeil.
4: But also, he's looking good. <laughs> kept him up last year. That changed the sporting advantage to me and his wages, as far as I'm aware, part of their turnover which is what they've cheated on.
2: But also, you, and you're also you didn't you didn't need to have to sell them. Everyone else is adhering to the rules. Or oh, they did they did in the end because it's in the it's in the original panel thing as to when they did sell them and why. But they waited until the last possible minute. Mm-hmm. You're able to make choices and decisions based around. I think. The sporting advantages that you're getting out of this, and you can go any direction on that. But ultimately, part of it is you can say there's no sporting advantage. But right now, you're playing, you know, and the the qualify. I think within the period you're playing Anana, you're playing you're playing McNeil, you're playing James Garner, you're playing Tarkovsky. You've got him on a free transfer, but you're playing him. You, you sold Dina
3: for twenty million quid.
2: Yep. Yeah, you go the year before, you have got Mikelanko. You're playing Mikalenko Nathan Patterson's getting a game here and there. The, the but the point is also there's another universe where you don't buy Dwight McNeil, someone else does. He performs far better for them from year from day one because you've chosen you said we can't do Dwight McNeil because we've got to stay within the rules. Year one he's performed far. He goes to Leicester and yeah. Leicester finish eleventh because Dwight McNeil hits the ground running and does brilliant things to Brendan Rodgers and he's still the manager. You can't prove the alternative you know,
4: and yeah. I can't yeah. prove that. I don't live in the, the no, but you all sound all realistic so Neil Yeah, fuck
3: ever. We don't live in the alternative world and get to see what happens otherwise, do we? And that's why the whole. The whole thing's maddening.
2: Yeah, like absolutely. Me, the whole
3: thing is driving me on the bed. Twenty
2: twenty one, buy for twenty two million quid to Corey from from Watford. He, he fucking scores the goal that keeps them up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's in that's in yeah. your accountancy period that he scores the goal that keeps them up at the end of last season. You don't get to go no sporting advantage because we haven't been very good. Yeah. Because the idea therefore is that yeah, but you could have been worse. The only yeah. way that they could declare that there was no sporting advantage is if they got
3: zero points.
4: Yeah, they lost like
2: if they lost every game.
3: Every game and didn't score. Yeah. That's that, the only way
2: you can. That's the only way you.
4: You can should say. clip this and put it out on the, the <laughs> Anfield Twitter and Just show you get it on. That's going to go well.
2: Uh, going to go it's well. Like the blue room, <laughs> on it. Uh, Luton, Luton at least have got a bit of brio, Kev, you yeah. said it before. I, I, you know, they're not playing this weekend, but I, I do struggle to see how it isn't the three, even allowing for deductions and stuff like that. I do struggle to see how it isn't the three, but Luton at least have, have shown signs of life.
4: Yeah, if you listening, you're saying without the deductions, I think Forrest, because of the change of manager. I'll be okay. Everton with another deduction. I'm not sure how much more battle you got in the manager just listen, the a 10, ten point deduction with the first one seemed to rally them a little bit, didn't they? I'm not saying it was a good thing at all for them. Everton's going mad about this, aren't they? Everyone's saying, Oh, we got the ten points, but then you got them back. I understand it was still a bad thing. But Luton are just they're just hanging on in there. But you've seen it before, haven't you, where a team plays so far above its level for this for so long in a season and it's just a natural curve where they're just absolutely knackered and then they fall off a cliff. And I hope that does nothing to look, to be honest, because when he first went by, I just thought, oh, they can fuck off. I've been down there before, and it's crap. The fans are absolute knobheads. And obviously... I mean, that is all true. It is absolutely fairness. true. But if it means everything go down. But the way <laughs> they've done it, and as you said, the manager, he's had a little bit of stick, but I, I think he holds himself quite well. He's just, I think he does. He just, I think he
3: comes across really well. Yeah, did, I, you I, see, I, did, I, did you see that interview from Bolton No. Nah. The, the, uh, it, it was a club interview, and he went, he went, so Rob, you're happy with the result? And he went <laughs> I notice you didn't mention the performance
2: though. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Starts laughing. He's like, Yeah, we're happy with the result, but the performance, let me tell you, that wasn't very good.
2: I think that, I think also the fans, the longer in the Premier League, the more they'll get into it and go, All right, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do it this way rather than that way. I think they've been really good around the thing that's happened to the captain, which is an easy thing to sort of do. You rally around yeah, too, too. but I think everyone's yeah. been really sound and I think that there's there's a desire for there to be soundness. We've made uh, good transfer decisions as well. I think getting Townsend and Bartley and was Really clever. Real,
3: bad, just really, really clever. It. Like the you know, boss, he's still not very old, is he? No, nope. he's not. Like, well, he's not thirty-five. He's not twenty-two. He's what's he about to it I think he's probably twenty-eight something. something like that. Like that, 28, yeah. 29 something like that. But getting in someone like that who is proven at the level is, you know, play. For, I think he's been to championships with England, hasn't he? Yeah. I think he's, I think he's been to the Euros or a World Cup, or he's pretty sure he's been to something. And he's, that's the kind of player that can sort of give the other players something to look to and feed off and go, hang on. I don't need to be the best here because there would be some of them who last season were the best player yeah. in the championship, and now they don't. They know they don't need to
2: be. They just need to be decent enough and go right. We can, we can have a go here. All right, coming up, because it is a little bit different. I've got Pete Selby. Uh, to talk about Leicester City, Leicester. I've got Ipswich at home. Uh, this is the Friday show. We tend to only do Premier League stuff, but I had a look at Monday night where it's Brighton versus Wolves, and I just didn't have Brighton versus Wolves in me. Um, I just <laughs> You didn't. say that, but it might finish 4 oh, all. I think it'll be a really good yeah. game. I'm not saying it won't be a good game of football. It's just there's not much driving on it. No. Whereas in the championship, at the top, first place, second. Also, I don't think you should give any
3: credence to TNT doing Monday night football.
2: Is that, is that what this is? It's on TNT. Oh, we can't have that, Philip. Well done, mate I'm glad you've stuck. on I'm glad you've. I you've might not you've, watch it just in protest. Uh, well, you can watch Brighton. You can watch Leicester versus Ipswich. Uh, first versus second. It might be first versus third by the time they kick off. I talk about that with Pete. Other bits and pieces. I think the championship sort of fascinating, but I think it also lays the groundwork for next season. So yeah, great to speak to Pete Selby. Pete's back uh, on our Premier League preview show because, in a way, it sort of is. It's a bit of a preview into next season. First place, second in the championship and Leicester have got a gap, a significant one at the top. Ipswich have no longer got one in second place if Southampton win. It may not be first v second, it may be first for third, but it is worth saying that if Leicester win, then and Pete will correct me if he feels I'm being too complacent, if he feels I'm saying it's all over by the shouting, but it would be significant one if Leicester won at home against Ipswich on Monday night in terms of who, in the end, wins the championship and comes up.
1: Yeah, it would. You can never be sure, can you? And you don't want to be... Uh... You don't want to be celebrating before you cross that finish line. But if they do beat Ipswich, which they should have done on Boxing Day if it wasn't for that late goal, then they'll just be in such a strong position. So finishing the top two, Southampton, they've got a chance of beating their own um, record of actually going 20 games unbeaten. So they're not just flying, they're cruising at 35,000 feet and they've been doing so for an awful long time. It was always going to be the case at the start of the season, that the, the teams who got relegated were going to be towards the top of the league. And those established Premier League teams for a number of years in Southampton and Leicester, surely with the squad they've got, unless it was spectacularly mismanaged on and off the pitch, um, then they were going to be up there quite as far as Leicester are, are clear on the rest. and maybe didn't expect, but uh, hey, I'll take it. You will take it. I mean, it's so at the end it's seven points. The win obviously
2: turns that into 10. Whatever Southampton do, it can't be more than 10, uh, at that point. It's 28 games. It'd be into a 46 game season. What I'm saying as well for those 28 games is that you've learned a lot about your footballers. I'm, I'm intrigued by Leicester and where Leicester's level is coming into next season. Yes, there's a couple who've got funny con- uh, contract situations that will need to be resolved in the summer. Uh, but there's also a number who've, who've impressed. I'm of the view, unless there's someone I've missed, and Pete by all means do correct me. But I do feel as though, for instance, the best footballer in the division is Kieran Hughesby hall uh, and Leicester sit top of the pile uh, with him playing for them. Uh, every time I've caught Leicester this season, he's just looked looked a class above anyone else on the pitch. Um, in there as well, you know, there's, there's 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 a number of players who've come in on on we we haven't heard about before of them when we played in the League Cup. You know, there's there's a lot of very very good Leicester players who will still be there next season if Leicester come back up.
1: It's such a strange thing at the moment because you, we are looking at the moment at the Premier League and how Leicester would would fare in the Premier League. Um, They would need severe investment. They would need um, not a new spine to their team, but the the first team would need an awful lot of strength. Um, And I say that from the way that they play, because they play such an open brand of football, because they play um, a brand of football where they keep the ball, a la Man City, which obviously where Enzo Mouras has come from. But in the Championship, they are getting away with it because they have a substantially better side than the rest. They are still, it's a work in progress. I say that because if you saw the Coventry game the other day, um, Leicester played in patches the same way as they played all season. But Coventry are a good side on a good run at home. And they, they didn't take any nonsense from Leicester. And I think the teams who turn up the King Power or at home to Leicester, who, who don't take any nonsense. And so, hang on, we're not, we're not going to actually just let you have the ball. We know that you're a good side, but... If you're going to be playing this style of football, it's very risky passing from the back, passing from the goalkeeper through the defence and into Winks in midfield, who's playing with his slippers on this season. And it's that style of football can work in the Championship if you've got a side as good as Leicester. And it's working. And it, you can see that from the league table. But in the Premier League, it's a completely different matter. So I think a lot of fans might be quite surprised by hearing a Leicester fan. And someone who watches all the games going, hang on, you're, you're miles clear in the championship. Surely you should say, actually, this this team now would be challenging for say mid-table in the Premier League. I don't think so at all. I, I think there's still a lot of work really because I
2: whenever I, I catch them, I think like I think you're markedly better than certainly the three that came up last season. I think that, you're markedly better. true. Yes,
1: yeah, so I, I think so. But, but I think overall in the squad, I think there's just they are a different standard. They shouldn't shouldn't have got relegated, but they deserve to. By by golly, they deserve to. But um, the, in theory, with the talent in the side, they, they shouldn't have gone down. But this is a completely different style of football. And they're playing a, a style of football which has taken not only the players or who instantly took to it, to be fair, but one or two took a while. It's taken the crowd pretty much six months to get on board with. There were times when Leicester were top of the league and it was nil-nil at the King Power Stadium. They come on really strong in the final half an hour, 20 minutes of the game. Where it's nil-nil, they're dominating, and the crowd are very, very restless because it's a style of football we've never seen. Now it's starting to really bed in with the crowd. But what I'm saying is that the players who are, um, who are established first teamers at Leicester are doing really well in the Championship. We just don't know how they will do in the Premier League. But one or two are really, really exciting. Um, mainly out wide. We know what Leicester have got in that league. And, and also, you have to take into account players who are playing very well in the Championship, but also in the Premier League will be found wanted. Look, for instance, we, we went through the players and were given them marks out of 10, a halfway point, and we gave four or five genuine 10 out of 10 performances of the season. Uh, one of them was Yannick Vestergaard. He's been amazing this season. He's been fantastic. He's a great ball-playing centre-half. In the Championship, his height is is invaluable when it comes to teams um, knocking it forward pretty early. Now, in the Premier League, he can't do that. And more than likely, he will not be a Leicester first-team player in the Premier League. Yet he's 10 out of 10. There is a big gap between the Championship and the Premier League. Some of the players, though, that we've signed, I think will not only make it in the Premier League, but then should become staff. One or two, one in particular, I think we've got an absolute diamond, and his name is not Keenan Dewsby Hall. What's his name? We've got two wingers. We've got um, Mavadidi on one side, who is growing by the game, and he's now got that arrogance of a footballer who is who knows he's possibly the best player on the pitch. He'll receive the ball, and he'll be looking around before he's controlled the ball. How, how, how certain players have that swagger, but not get away with it because they're too good. They just are so good a footballer that they can shimmy past someone and they can do whatever they like on a field of play. He's he's starting to believe in himself that he actually is as good as he is. He's a he's a fabulous player who can just progress higher and higher. But we have a wing on the other side, Patawu, who when he came onto the field of play with 45 minutes gone in the game against Hull, which we lost at home, The first 10 minutes of him, I sat there and I was yards from him and just went, this guy is not a championship player. He's 18 years old. He is such a level above anything else in that league. He's quick. He can beat a man. He is so sensible. I'm talking on the back of a red card. He's so sensible as a player. He'll he'll cross the ball like he's been watching, say, Mark Albright on all his life. He'll ping a crossfield pass to the other side of the field like he's spreading play like Paul Scott. This guy is 18 years old. He is a phenomenal footballer. He's got all the talent in the world. He seems a really good egg as well. And Leicester hopefully will get the deal done. It's around about £14-15 If he plays enough games, that will trigger the deal with being done. Um, this is a guy who I can just see the big boys looking at as soon as he's in the Premier League, a year under his belt at, at Leicester in the Premier League. And I can see them all looking at it. He's got everything he wants in a winger. And the most, probably the number one thing for me is his age. He's 18 years old and his impact on the game, he rarely gives the ball away. Yeah. And yet he's, He's. I think, and I, I don't like to use these terms because obviously we're playing championship football. He's a stunning footballer. And I think he's still going under the radar. A lot of players are getting there. um their moments in the sun. You mentioned King Andrews Hall, who's having a good season. I wouldn't have given him a 10 out of 10. He's playing well. Um, I think the best player in the league at the moment, I think he's, everything goes through Harry Winston midfield. midfield. Um, so he, he's generally the best player on the side. But were out wide, honestly, in the next two years or maybe this time next year, Leicester in the Premier League, I think there's going to be clubs. He, he's 18 years old. It's, it's quite ridiculous what his level could be. And it will not be in a blue shirt, I reckon, at the end of next season. Excellent stuff. Huge indeed. Are you going to beat Ipswich? Um, I think we'll beat Ipswich. I think they've um, they've done amazingly well. But at home, I think the crowd will be really up for it. And the players will be on a revenge mission from their defeat at Coventry. Um, very interesting conversations at the moment looking at next season. The one big name, of course, is Jamie Vardy. It's looking now like he might not be given a contract. That might be the end of his time at Leicester. Where does he go? Does he go elsewhere, uh, abroad, etc.? That's a whole different conversation. Bigger than actually what Leicester are doing on the pitch and next season on the pitch. doesn't really matter. Um, He's the best player that's ever played for them. So there's a lot of comings and goings to happen with hopefully getting Stefano Sensi, a a very, very um, adequate midfielder to play alongside Wings, a guy who can spread the ball around, a real technical player, hopefully stays fit, a player you shouldn't be signing in the championship. If he can come in to maybe shore up that midfield in case Winks gets injured, so replacing DD is out for a long time, if we get that deal over the over the line, then I can see Leicester really winning this league out of Cancer. And that starts by beating Ipswich in a goal fest on Monday, I'm going for a, a 4-2 it's a proper Monday night game none of this Premier League stuff, it's the championship <laughs> where it's happening, until, until May
2: Excellent stuff from Pete, he's gone for 4-2 4-2, that will indeed feel like it's much more vital than Brighton versus Wolves, the reality and it does feed into the previous conversation, fill around the PSR questions and bits and pieces um, but the reality of what's happening in the championship and this is where you know, there will be questions asked I think the three who went down are going to come back. Uh, now, one of those is through the playoffs, so I know that that's edgy. Southampton are unbeaten for 20 games, as Pete just said. Leicester at top, and if they beat Ipswich, they're 10 clear at the top. Uh, I just don't see Southampton stopping anytime soon. I could be wrong, but I feel as though we can say with a level of certainty, I think Leicester and Southampton will come back automatically. Ipswich have wobbled because they couldn't keep going. It's, it's exhausting. Leeds should be pressed in this weekend. You know, the, listen. The playoffs. The playoffs are a bit of a lottery, but I really do think that these are the three sides that are finishing first, second, and third. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the thing
3: with it, is, which is they were a the newly promoted side, so for them to be going yeah. at this level with um, unreal, I mean, the three unreal. three relegated sides who got such a financial advantage is incredible, and there'd be no shame in them coming fourth, fifth, or even sixth, to be honest. Because if you told them at the start of the season getting in the playoffs, they'd have gone absolutely sound. It wasn't quite as unlikely as yeah, as I think. I think they were only about I think to get in the top sixty, were only about five to two. So it wasn't like people complete, could see what they were. It completely, wasn't completely out of the question that they were they were gonna they were gonna do it, but I don't think anybody would have expected promotion places in New Year, which is it's an incredible achievement what they've what they've done, and it, it would probably have meant that the advantage the other three have was talked about more than it should be if they hadn't have done it because yep. they sort of like unintentionally devalue. The advantage that does clearly exist by being so good, and this, new you get relegated, the finances are weighted in such a so, so much, so much it's such in your favour. Like Southampton have basically just kept all the players for the for the large part. They've got some obviously some new ones in, but you know, Adam Armstrong was a reasonably okay player in the Premier League for them. Stuart Armstrong was the same; he's still there. There's a lot of them that are just still doing fairly consistent bits for them, and that's, that's all they need to do is because they're going down to that level and they're used to playing like some of the best players in the world. Yeah. And then they're like, hang on, hang on. These <laughs> are nowhere near as good. And they've taken advantage of that, all three of them. Like Leeds, I mean Southampton took a while to adapt to the new manager then the style.
2: And, and possibly a little bit of the league as yeah. well. Yeah, and the, I the league was a as, bit as of well. Getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
3: think they were probably getting, you know, some of the, lesser teams are probably doing a bit of kicking and they yep. were like hang on this isn't how it usually works and then they, but once they've adjusted to that they're, they're absolutely fine Leeds have taken a while but again their attack is absolutely fantastic it's outrageous um, by the standard of the division it's just astonishing I mean, they, they've, got a th- I mean they've got a 40 million fella they signed from Hoffenheim playing up front Like, Some Hudders, on Hudders on Field, and, Huddersfield and Plymouth aren't doing that are they no. so it's, it's just it, and this is almost part of why the finances we need to do something better. Like, it's... it's.
4: While well, I agree with that, right, you've got the fact that these three are big clubs, though. They're, yeah, yeah they're know, absolutely, legacy club. absolutely. So, it's like the same arguments that when people say about Liverpool and Man United. We've, the reason we've got the biggest turnover is because we're the biggest clubs. They're the biggest clubs in the championship, so... It's a, a bit of your things, but well, yeah, that's that's too like, well, You want you, you like the idea of a romantic thing, until the fucking Nuggets get into the, the Premier League, and then you get whacked eight 0 every week. And you lost like the like,
3: point. There's Sunderland. There's West Brom. There's Coventry. There's Watford. There's Middlesbrough. These are also big clubs who aren't, aren't in name terms are, are not out of Black place Burn. in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. I'd
4: say none of them are as big as those three. No,
3: we've no, just no. It. I no. I completely I completely mm-hmm. agree with you. But in terms of
2: I was talking about the, the, the fucking the lads that's going to come and knock round
4: to so, yours something yeah. lads can come down to yours the fucking nugget <laughs> hey the world, you give the world Jordan Pickford so can fuck <laughs> off as far as I'm concerned
2: <laughs> it, honestly the fucking North I've East been, knocking but, round to Kev's I was talking about more the
3: sort of the financial disparity is greater than the disparity that we think of in terms of them yeah. as clubs is yeah, more one of
2: with the parachute payments yeah, what exactly, exactly. about. Like that, if it was, if it was raw that, turnover yeah. I still think that the three that have come down would be amongst the top yeah, six absolutely. if it was just on raw turnover t- they yeah. are yeah.
3: Well, yeah. I um, mean uh, Leeds yeah.
2: are getting thirty-five, forty thousand 40,000 people in the ground every week yeah. no matter
3: who they really play
4: plus as like, well any of them games you go to as a Olympia fan home or away there's a bit of interest in it if it's come up
3: it's
2: just, oh no I don't,
3: I don't which of the three of all those teams are the three that you want to go to and think this is a biggest game.
4: So Leeds, Leeds Leicester. Leeds Leicester Southampton not so much, but if you ask me, if you ask me to name 20 teams in the Premier League that I, like if I could pick, pick from all your of the ideal division, Premier League, yeah, yeah. I'd, pick, I'd pick Southampton and everything. Well,
2: I think that this is this is one of the things that happens with the Kevin. I'm, I'm I'm absolutely fine with that. It's more that the parachute payments and where they are, but they're not going to affect all of this anyway. Full stop. In terms of how they've kept certain players together, what happens when they come back? Or Pete, there was just a bit. Listen, we're not in as good nick as people think. If we come up, there's a couple of questions we'd have to answer. It's quite interesting, but I think my point is that I, I genuinely look at you know you look at Leeds, Southampton, and, and, and Leicester. All three of them within very recent memory of took points off Liverpool and City. Um all three of them, I think when they come up will will be coming up with a real eye on staying up, not the idea that we're going, you know, I think there's been a bit of that with Burnley, Luton and and in a different way Sheffield United were coming up, we know we're gonna go straight back down to the finance points. I think it's. We started this off talking about Phil mentioned about away games in seasons gone by and the harder now. I think if these three come up in the leagues, there's every chance the league next season is the hardest it's been uh, in God knows how long. Like I think the league becomes rock hard next season if mm. these three come back up.
4: Million percent. Whoever finishes 17th this year, will be looking and thinking, oh, we we need to get our acts together. Here. And the likes of your Palaces, we were discussing before, saying about are they sleepwalking? They'll find out next season if they are because if they come up. Listen, at least one of them will go down, possibly even two, just because that's it's the way of the world, isn't it? But the way Norwich go down, come up, go down, come up forever, I don't think it would take th- four or five years before all three of these are established Premier League teams again, whereas I just don't ever see Norwich be- doing that, do you know what I mean? So if they are to go on and become that, well the three teams in the Premier League now that are not Premier League teams anymore and listen, now that we're thinking about it that's put, put a smile <laughs> on anyone's face couldn't right. it? when you consider he's been finishing 17th recently.
3: I mean, the level, the, in the level Leicester are at now before they've done any business they're in no danger whatsoever of getting relegated. Like, if you said to me are they... Are, are, they, are they not they, a bit too Burnley? No. Okay. No, they're better football and wise than Burnley they've got a bit more now spout than they've got, they've got some lads who'll kick you. Like, they I think there's more chance they come top 10 than they go than that. if you said to me that they got more chance to come in 18th or 10th I'd say 10th but they're they're a
2: genuinely good team Okay, uh, interesting stuff. Do watch them on Monday night if you want to. Uh, they will be happening on Get Monday night. Get back uh, against <laughs> Ipswich. Uh, Phil talking them up. They're at home. Uh, that is on Monday night. Do keep your eye on it going into next season. So much in flux at the minute. So much going on. Uh, if you want us to sort of deal with anything uh, on the, the whole where we are with the FFP, PSR, whatever it's called, situation, I wrote about it yesterday. We can do a little bit more on it. It's just difficult because it's the blues. Uh, it is sort of the beginning, middle, and end of the matter. It's you know, all bad faith, now, isn't it? <laughs> well, but, fair, no, but I'm happy to say a fair bit of it is. No, all no. three of us are sat around this table, and it's—I mean—Kev's made it crystal clear. But we are all of <laughs> the, the opinion that we do not want Everton to win. And I, and, and but I—I th- I think you can—you can you not want Everton to win, but you can also simultaneously take a rational view in the same way that you can want Everton to win, and you can also take a rational view. It's just that many yeah. are managing not to do that uh, and going out of the way to do I mean, it. And some of them are elected to office in Manchester. See you later.
5: Sports, social,
1: podcast network.